You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What a day in Happy Valley! It was almost a pretty unhappy day for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But after an explosive fourth quarter, both frankly on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, Ohio State pulled out a 44-31 win. And their national championship and Big Ten championship hopes are very much still alive. We've got our instant analysis show on Buckeye Breakdown coming up. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Beaver Stadium. We just wrapped up with Ryan Day in his press conference after Ohio State pulled off a 44-31 win over the Penn State Nittany Lions. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Andrew Lind. Appreciate your, uh, your joining us here on uh, part of our coverage, Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. We are part of Buckeyes now on uh, Fan Nation and the Sports Illustrated Media Group. You can join us and uh, help us support this show by subscribing to our YouTube channel, or if you like to listen after the fact, we post the audio in uh, most places you like to find your favorite podcasts. Wow. Uh, Andrew, there's a lot of places we can start this. Obviously, there were pretty uncomfortable moments here today. Um, I would hope that Ohio State learns from those. It's always easier to learn from bad moments when you win a game, but I don't think we can start this pod anywhere other than JT Tuimoloau, who had the absolute game of his life. I was even asking people after the game, you know, if this was maybe the most dominant performance that they had seen from an Ohio State defensive lineman, you know, maybe only rivaled by Chase Young against Wisconsin in 2019 when he had four sacks against, you know, what was maybe the best rushing offense in the country at the time. And, yeah, I mean, without his performance today, they don't walk out of there with a win. And, you know, just for him to kind of, you know, people have kind of been asking or or wanting to see more out of him the last, you know, the first couple weeks of the season and then, He's really come on strong in the last two weeks and then has today's game. And, you know, it, it just kind of speaks to the type of player that he is, that he was able to, you know, maybe impact the game in other ways before this and then finally then have his breakout game today. And both of you guys, just real quick, the uh, the behind-the-scenes help here. Both of you guys, check your mics and see, because I'm hearing some feedback. Sounds like there's some things that are sliding around, so hopefully we can kind of mute that in the background. Um, no, it was pretty amazing. I mean, look, it was – it was everything you could have hoped for and more out of a guy that was as highly recruited as Tui Moloa was. I mean, he was the prized recruit that Ohio State had to wait forever to finally land and, frankly, probably exuded more patience than they, than they cared to. But it worked out okay. And then to see him literally take over a game like this was just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and he did it on a day where the offense was sputtering at points – Largely, they were okay if you look at the final numbers, um, but there were some problems today. And 
I, I am I am officially a little bit concerned about Ohio State's run game, and I I don't know exactly what the problem is. I kind of started to think it's a Matthew Jones issue at right guard. I was watching Dewan Jones a lot, and I don't feel like it's a right tackle problem. Um, I'll go back and, and watch the game again, but my initial thought is that the Buckeyes are having some, some trouble at that spot with consistency. Matthew Jones had some good plays today. In fact, I thought he made a great block on Travion Henderson's 41-yard touchdown run that helped kind of seal the game. Um, but too often, that's been a, a problem spot on the line, and if Ohio State can't run the ball, it's going to be really, really tough for them to win the whole thing this year. Back to what you were mentioning about uh, JT's, you know, prolonged recruitment as well. And, you know, I think uh, Ryan Day earlier this week, you know, he mentioned about how they had gotten fined for going out and, you know, seeing CJ and recruiting him um, when he was supposed to be at an award show. And that kind of brought the same kind of thought to my mind as well about, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's worth it in the end. It's all the, all the stuff that they went through, you know, having to go those extra five months, you know, in terms of recruiting him and showing up at the airport and Hawaiian outfits and, you know, those kind of things, just taking that extra step to get this caliber of player. And then, you know, obviously that turning out well for, for them. And then just with the running game, I, I would agree with what you said. You know, I do think that, you know, there are some maybe personnel issues in that line that, you know, are they just not maybe getting the, uh, the kind of, you know, push that they should be or the consistency that they should be. And therefore, you know, that that's caused those issues. I feel like we should talk about C.J. Stroud, who had a really solid day. I don't know that he had an electrifying day, but his numbers were, were pretty good. He made good decisions with the ball. And I think every time the team decided, hey, we're going to throw the ball, his first thought was, okay, where's 18? Because that guy is unbelievable. Um I, I wonder what it was like for fans at home to sit there and say, hey, just get the ball to Marvin. Because in the stadium, there were 100,000 people here that knew every time Marvin lined up in one-on-one, -on -one, there was a good chance he was getting the ball. Fourth down conversion in particular, you know, I, I'm sitting here at home watching it, and I looked at the people that were sitting around me, and I, I was like, they're going to throw it to Marvin up here at the top, you know, running a slant, because it was very obvious what was going to happen you know, how they, how they needed that, that yardage. But yeah, I mean, I think with, with CJ, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm continuously impressed with just the, his throwing ability. And I mean, there was that, that long pass to Emeka that was, I mean, that, that was an NFL throw and, you know, that's why he's going to be a, a top NFL draft pick in, in April. But then there's those moments that I'm like, well, I'm not sure exactly why this is happening. You know, there was the fumble at the end of the first, at the end of the, the first half that, I think he should have had better situational awareness about. There was a couple delay of games that, you know, if he's paying attention more to the, the clock. And, and it's just kind of one of those things that maybe I don't feel like he was as sharp mentally today as he normally is. But obviously all of the physical attributes are still there. I totally agree there were some moments that were frustrating there. Ryan Day actually took the blame in the postgame press conference for what happened at the end of the first half. He said basically he sort of thought CJ would just throw a fade with a few seconds left. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. He took a field goal. And he said, I just didn't communicate it with him. It was, you know, totally my fault. Um, but, yeah, the, the play clock thing was a little frustrating. I don't remember what the final number was, but there were at least three delay of game penalties and several others that were really close. 
maybe it's because they were playing a true road game and there were 100,000 people here that didn't like Ohio State. Um, I'm sure that was part of it. I also hope that the Buckeyes can use this as some fuel going forward because the reality is they're probably not going to get a crowd like this the rest of the year for you know the regular season. You've got Michigan at home. You're not going to see a crowd like this at Northwestern or Maryland. You've got Indiana at home. Um, and the Big Ten championship games at a neutral site where, you know, if Ohio State gets there, you know how well Buckeye Nation travels. So, I mean, look, good that they handled it. And, and I was impressed with the fact that when things got really tough, this team figured out a way to win. They scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, but I could see where maybe – there were some problems manifesting themselves today in a communication perspective that, uh, frankly, they need to get addressed because if you if you want to win a national championship, you can't have little breakdowns like that. You know, the communication issue, especially at the end of the first half, you know, on the TV it said that they, they still had one timeout. You know, then they're being told that they don't have any timeouts. It doesn't show that in the stadium. So there's, you know, obviously the confusion there. I know a lot of fans were – were confused by why they didn't just call a timeout and then decide, you know, kind of reinforce that, hey, we need to get this out really quickly, and if not, you know, then we get, we need to kick a field goal right now and those kind of things. And they're, they're, they're lucky that it didn't come back to fight them. But, you know, kind of kind of to reinforce my point about, you know, everybody in the stadium and everybody at home knew where that, that rush was coming from, except for him in that situation. And that kind of surprised me. So, you know, maybe that's why I said that, Maybe it, it just was one of those off days for him mentally there. But then, you know, I think that it, being in these situations, obviously it's going to be helpful moving forward because this was really the first bit of adversity that they had faced this season. But at the same time, I mean, in the fourth quarter, I'm thinking to myself, what are potential tiebreakers for the Big Ten championship if they lose this? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you look, you look away and you look back and they're up three scores and it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things you feel better after the fact, but when you're right in the middle of it, maybe not so much. It's hilarious. I was I was sitting next to uh, one of our colleagues on the beat in the press box, and I turned and looked at him, and I said, hey, Penn State beats Ohio State, Ohio State beats Michigan, and Michigan beat Penn State, and everybody wins every other game. Who goes to the Big Ten title game? And uh, Ohio State, because the answer to do with the Big Ten West, and Ohio State doesn't play anybody on the Big Ten West that gives them that you know, would give them that tiebreaker. So it would, it would be Michigan. I was going to say, I would think because if, especially if Illinois goes and does what they're supposed to do, doesn't Michigan play Illinois? Yeah. So if they would win in that scenario, then yeah, Michigan yep. would, would have gotten it. And literally that is the last, as I understand it, the last tiebreaker before a coin flip. Um, so yeah, it's, thankfully we don't have to consider that at the moment, but um, look, I, I, the final score was a little uncomfortable for me because, I mean, look, you, you, you are what your record says you are. You scored as many points as you scored. It's a 60-minute game. You just do what you got to do. Um, it just didn't feel like the kind of game that Ohio State scored 44 points. You know, when you think about that kind of a point total, it, it, it just walks you down a path of, oh, well, they must have moved the ball really well and scored a bunch of touchdowns. They, they didn't really. In fact, Penn State outgained Ohio State. I would love to know, and maybe I, maybe it's not all that far back, I, I bet you it hasn't happened in a little while that Ohio State won a game in which their opponent outgained them. Um, 
it certainly hasn't happened this year. I, I, I don't know. It was just a weird feeling game. Penn State played really well, far better than I thought they were going to play. I said all week I knew they were capable of winning this game, but I, I just didn't see it happening. I thought Ohio State would cover. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a problem. And Penn State gave Ohio State all it could handle for a good 45 minutes until the Buckeyes kind of poured it on there in the fourth quarter. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. In reality, the game to me feels more like a, you know, a 35-24 kind of game just kind of aided by some big plays here and there. You know, you take JT's, you know, interception return for a touchdown off the board and you take off, you know, what should have been a tackle that by by two players that ended up being a long touchdown for Penn State. You know, it's those kind of things that add up really quickly to them getting that final score. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think the word that you use, uncomfortable, is probably the best way to describe it because, like I said, for – for three and a half quarters, I was literally thinking, you know what, they may very well lose this game. Like if, if they just aren't able to respond the right way and, you know, kind of be that, 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 that thing that separates you from being a national championship kind of team versus just being a, a Rose Bowl team or something like that. If they weren't able to respond in that way, you know, they, they were going to lose this game. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like he's, like I said, in the blink of an eye, it's a three score game and you're like, okay, well, now, now it's a, a, a runaway train to Michigan, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens then. It's just such a weird feeling to think that, you know, there was a legitimate fear in the fourth quarter. I think I even put something on Twitter to this, uh, you know, to, to this point of like, hey, it's time to acknowledge this is not feeling great. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to go Penn State's way, but there were some legitimate moments of like, I don't know, um, I wasn't that worried at halftime. There was so yeah. much time, but I, I just end of the third quarter. I I didn't feel great about it, and and admittedly, I I think Ohio State better address the run game big time these next three weeks, or or they could struggle November twenty sixth. You've got to be able to run the ball between the tackles consistently. You know, they they ran for less than a hundred yards today, and they still won, and they should still get credit for that, but. It's going to be really hard to, to win a national title and to, to beat Michigan, win a Big Ten championship if you can't run the ball when you need to run it. Historically, in the, in the Michigan game, it's the team that runs the ball better and has more rushing yards that, that wins that game. So, you know, if they, if they want to win, then they need to focus these next, you know, three, four weeks on fixing those issues. And it obviously doesn't help not knowing what's going on with Mayan and you know, it, it looked like it was his knee at one point. It looked like it was his wrist. It looked like it was his finger. So I don't think that anybody really knows what's going on at this point. But, 
you know, you're going to need him in that game and that toughness and physicality that he brings. And if you don't have that, well, then, you know, Travion needs to continue to, to build upon his fourth quarter. You know, maybe you'll get down or chip involved in those kind of things because you're going to need more than just Travion to do that. And, yeah, I mean, I think on one hand, I think we kind of have gotten used to Ohio State just blowing people out to where you're like, okay, every single game should be that way. And really, you know, not many teams can go on the road at the number 13 team in the country, play in front of 110,000, and, and still win a game by 13 points. Yeah, and do it by scoring four touchdowns in the fourth quarter when this crowd was as loud as they were and believed, and frankly, Penn State as a team believed as much as they did. Because it's one thing if, if a team gets off to a hot start and they're trying to upset somebody and, you know, you, you ride the wave for a few minutes – Penn State felt like, hey, we are, we are right there. And, and they played well enough, largely, to get the job done, at least through the first 45 minutes. Um, a defensive score saved the day for Ohio State. I thought the three-play drive when, when they were quick passes to Marvin and then a Mecca and then obviously the 41-yard touchdown run from Henderson, that was huge. Um, but, you know, Cade Stover, after having the – tough moment or two in the first half. Uh, I thought Cade Stover came up big late in the game. You know, again, I just – I give Ohio State some credit for grinding out a game that, frankly, I didn't expect to be quite this close. Um, but Vegas did, and a lot of other people did. And historically, uh, you would you would think that these two teams would play close games. So, what do I know? I don't know. I, uh, I was glad to see the Buckeyes respond with some adversity. I would say that they definitely faced a little bit of adversity week one. You know, the offense didn't look very good in the first half against Notre Dame, but they, in the second half, when they had to run it, they did. And they, they absolutely wore down Notre Dame in that fourth quarter, grinding out tough yards, especially on that 90-some yard scoring drive they had at the end of the game. Today, it, it was, okay, we can't run the ball, that's fine. The bubble screens drove me nuts in the first half, and I think a lot of people felt the same way. Ryan yeah. Day said post game, "Well, hey, look, that's an extension of the run game. We're just trying to get people running." And that because you you know get a guy out on the on the outside one on one, try to get three or four yards. It's effectively the same thing as a, as a three to four yard run, just you know less bodies in in the middle at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that really just. When it comes to that adversity that they faced today, I think it was a little bit different than the Notre Dame game because the Notre Dame game, they lost Jackson right, you know, in the first quarter, and the game plan had to kind of change. Today, they were still doing what they intended to do for three and a half quarters. It just wasn't going the way that they wanted it to, and they weren't able to get a push in the run game or those kind of things. And you had to battle through something that wasn't just the result of something bigger. Like this was a adversity brought on by Penn State's defense, not. And, and a thing that was on your offense that just happened to be missing, if that makes sense. Well, Ohio State got a good little scare for a little while. But by the end of the game, especially with the way the Buckeyes played in the fourth quarter, uh, the total outcome was not necessarily in jeopardy. And uh, Ohio State did win the game by two touchdowns. And their, uh, their dreams and hopes are still alive as they work toward winning a conference championship. Um, no disrespect to the opponents they're going to play the next three weeks. They're not going to give Ohio State the kind of test that Penn State did. 
and I hope Ohio State can stay healthy and stay focused these next few weeks uh, because they've got a really big test coming on November 26th, and uh, I don't think Ohio State forgot about what happened last year. So this was a good win. Uh, it was it was good to see how the Buckeyes responded to some adversity, and I was impressed by Ohio State's leadership in some uh, some critical moments down the stretch of that game. 44-31, the final score from Beaver Stadium in Pennsylvania. The Buckeyes hang on, and they beat Penn State. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for subscribing to the show and supporting our coverage on the Buckeyes Now. Follow us on uh, Buckeyes Now underscore FN if you're interested on uh, our social media channels. FN, of course, for Fan Nation. We're part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. And uh, you can find this this podcast wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts if you want the audio-only version. We'll see you again real soon. Buckeyesnow.com for all the latest. Plenty more to come here from Penn State.